Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited about this show because we're going to be talking in a minute to Zach Radford, uh, who's a guy who I think he, he's a his story is so incredible. Uh, he he's just he's been one of those people that, of course, even if you maybe don't know his name, I guarantee you've seen him if you've mm. been anywhere near golf social media. Uh, I mean, the king of the sting. You've seen the sting, yeah. right? The stingers that he hits, and I think you've if you've listened to the show regularly, you've heard, probably heard me mention uh, that I've been very inspired by the way that he learned the game, just going out there and just he, he learned all that in, insane shot shaping just through a lot of trial and error, just getting out there hitting golf balls. And I think that that's something that we can all kind of learn from because a lot of us, when we, we get interested in the game, but we don't really have a direction of how to, how to go out. And, and sometimes we can even get too technical, right? We yeah, can start to get lost in the weeds, whether it be equipment or whether it be uh, different types of like tutorials we're watching, uh, you know, YouTube, instead of just getting out there and just hitting balls and learning the game. And, and, and Zach did that in a lot of ways. So I'm really encouraged by that. And also this is part of that ongoing series we're doing, you know, celebrating eight years of the podcast and getting some of the, um, some of the people that we've crossed paths with along the way on the back on the show or on the show for the first time. In this mm -hmm. case, we've, you know, we've done collaborations with Zach, but we've never had him on the podcast. That's right. That's right. right? Mm -hmm. So getting them on the show and just really digging in and finding out more about them, like the whole story, you know, where they got their start and all this stuff. So really excited to do that. I can't wait to bring him on the show. And here. I want to find out how he went from a 12 handicap down to a plus six. Yeah. And in how long? In one year, yeah. less than a year. There's hope for all of us guys. Can you imagine? So you're going to want to hear this. It, it certainly doesn't come without work. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's do that now. Let's dive right into our interview with Zach Radford. All right, I want to welcome to the Golf Podcast, Zach Radford. Zach, dude, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me on. Sure thing. And right off the bat, I just want to jump. Congratulations. I know Milestone Achievement, you just hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. I mean, that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations there. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's... I, Honestly, I know it's been a journey. I still can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and and, and we met. Uh, the three of us met uh, two years. We, we were just before the show. We were saying it, it's two years ago, like this week. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Linked up at the PGA show. And I think at that point yeah. you were you were under fifty thousand subs. I mean, we went back to check, and and then things just exploded. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first things first. We like to do this a lot when we have guests on the show, especially creators. We want to go way back and start at the beginning. And we like to do something where we, 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 we call it first Instagram post and get your reaction on, on what this is. Uh, so I'm gonna I actually up. don't even remember. Yeah, I know. And is. you're going to be like, <laughs> it's going to take some time. Genuine <laughs> surprise here. Let's do this. All right. Uh, okay. Let's see. So I'm holding this up. Oh, love it. Awesome. All right. So probably a it's, selfie. It looks like yeah. it says sweet. you're in Germany. Uh, nothing <laughs> yes. golf related. It says we're officially here on Instagram. Dude, what yeah. was that? Lot to unpack here. No golf. You're yeah. in Germany. Take us through this. Absolutely. So actually, that's haven't really told this story uh, much. So how I got started, I was over in Germany for like a month uh, staying with a family. This would have been like six, six years ago, roughly. And a family friend of theirs was like, man, you really got to get started on Instagram. I was like, I don't do social media. He's like, I see where things are going. And he literally created my account for me, made the handle, sent me the handle password. He's like, change the password and start posting. So <laughs> this guy was like roughly my age. He was like doing some business with the family. And so he was kind of around. And he just like kept telling me to get started posting while I was there. I never did. Two months later, he sends me an email. He's like, hey, man, still not posting. I was like, all right. All right. So that picture was taken downtown Nuremberg. And right after I got pretty good haircut, I felt like at the time. So <laughs> yeah, I walked into this uh, barber shop and they didn't speak any English. So who I was with was kind of telling them what I was looking for. So it was a solid haircut and that was a selfie so just, or maybe not a selfie, but it kind of looked like it. <laughs> and that was your introduction to the world on, on, on what you then six years later have done. And, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about a lot of it. So yeah. What was it at that time that prompted your family member or buddy to, to say like, you got to be there? Like, what were you doing in your life at that point? Was, was there a pursuit of a golf career were you still in school? Like, where were you at at that point? Yeah, so 
I didn't play golf in college and really just had played a little bit in high school when I graduated, started kind of trying to see how good I could get at golf. So graduated from college and to be honest, the only reason why this was even possible, I paid cash for school. I worked 40 hours a week and didn't know anything when I graduated. So talked to my dad. I was like, dad, I got to come live at home. I'm like a 12 handicap right now, but I really think I've got something with golf. So I was like, but I got to stay at home. I'll wait tables at night. I'll practice all day, every day. So I had like a year and I hit my goal like in September of that year after college. And, um, well, I guess it was January kind of started that year. And my goal was to be a plus four. And by the end of that calendar year, I was a plus six at the end of that first year. And so from so, a 12 to a plus six in 12 months? Roughly, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, well, you said you were putting the work in. So you, you, were, you were practicing ev- all yeah, day, every day at that point? What goes into that? Like, what does that look like? So basically, I would take something that I wasn't good at, and I would take the next two months, and I would practice whatever that was. Mm-hmm. That was 10-yard bunker shots. Let's just use an example. I would hit two hours a day basically whatever that shot was till I felt like I was really good at it. Um, I was the worst bunker player you've ever seen so much fear stepping foot into the sand. It was terrible. So I took like three months and on the backside of the course, there's some bunkers and practice areas. So I would just go and hit out of the bunker to where I went from being no joke, the worst bunker player you've ever seen to, a lot of the guys at the club would say they'd rather maybe putting them in a bunk- greenside bunker. Um, so that was how I kind of attacked the different aspects of the game. And then honestly, the stingers, I, that's how I learned how to play golf. I would sit there on the driving range, try to hit it as low as I could, but hit it solid then try to hit it as high as I could but hit it solid, big hook, big cut. And I would sit there and hit shots through windows and stuff uh, in the sky. And that was, so early on, if it was a cloudy day, I played phenomenal. <laughs> if there was no clouds in the sky, it was terrible. Like I couldn't visualize it because all I would do early on was visualize shots through the clouds. Mm. And that's how I saw the game. And so if it was a cloudy day, I played really well, typically. So that's a that's, random little that is a funny random side fact. Yeah, don't bet against Zach <laughs> it, when it's cloudy. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We only we only get to play him on sunny days. But um, it's funny that I think that's probably my most regurgitated story from when we were last together. When and I remember asking you and saying like, how how did you learn that those crazy shot shapes that we said? And I and you and I remember at the time you telling me like it was just going out there and just having some fun on the range and just seeing what your limits were and what you could do because I think there's a lot to be learned from that for you know our listeners and stuff who are learning the game and they want to be able to do that is just I think there's an element that you had just a little bit of fun with it like just testing what you could do rather than getting so caught up in the technical side of like a lot of us will will watch countless videos on how to hit a certain shot but I think there's something to be learned from what you did there is just, just do it until your body kind of figures it out. Does that, I mean, is that kind of like, was that your thinking into a certain extent? Cause I'm also wondering here, was a lot of this trial and error or did you get coaches involved during that part of your, your journey with the game? So I really didn't have any coaching. I had a few friends that I trusted that if I wanted them to take a look at something, I'd say, Hey man, mind checking this out and my seeing what's actually happening or so i would have some guys i could bounce some ideas off of but i would just go out there and be like well that didn't work so let's try something else and then okay that worked but you know i think we could pivot a little bit here to make it even better and so i really struggled early on when someone would ask me so how'd you hit that shot and i'm like i have no clue i felt it I thought it and it happened (laughs) and that was kind of how I started playing and I really found it difficult to explain how I physically did it because to me it was just like, well, I just saw that cloud and I just wanted to hit it through that cloud. Mm-hmm. no joke that was how i started playing golf. <laughs> hey visualization is a big <laughs> thing is. i mean we see even tour players doing that type of thing but was there 
I think there's got to be something in between there of how much time. Like, so I'm thinking in like uh, people who are listening and they're thinking, okay, I, I'm terrible at bunker shots too. But I feel like if I went and just like dedicated hours to it, I don't know if I'd see any improvement. Is, is there like, is there a point where things started to click for you and like a time that you just had to work through frustration? Like, you know, where did you, you get to for at that point? So early on, I was aimlessly going out there and practicing. Didn't really know what to practice. So it, like I said, if I struggled with a bunker shot, yeah, it was probably two hours a day for three months. Uh, every day. I There was a point in time where I had a golf club in my hand for probably on average of seven to eight hours a day wow. without taking a day off for there was one period, I think I went like six months, something like that, that I didn't take a day off. Felt like I was falling behind because I already felt behind because I'm 22 and just graduating college. I mean, these 12 year old kids are better than me at this point. And so I'm trying to catch up. So yeah. I'm going out there a couple hours a day on whatever it was that I struggled with, but I played a lot. I either practice inside of 40 yards or I was on the course. I never sat on the driving range and hit balls. I actually didn't like it. I didn't see the return on investment for scoring, hitting on balls on the driving range because people typically go to the driving range and then they go to the course. Everything changes. So it's like in my head early on, it was like, why not just practice on the course? So if I would come up on a shot, as long as it's not busy and that's just, this is my home course that I was at, I might drop two or three balls and hit whatever shot that was. And it's like, okay, how I started making decisions was I'm going to try to explain this in a mm-hmm. quick, easy way. So if I stepped up to a shot and it was a very difficult shot, I had to tell myself that I could pull this shot off more than 50% of the time. And if if I could pull it off 50% of the time or more, I had to tell myself this was going to gain me one stroke if I pull it off. So it was a numbers game for me on how I made decisions on the course. But you really don't know how many times out of 10 you're going to pull that shot off if you don't actually have uh, times that you attempted the shot or a shot similar. So knowing what you're capable of and then making decisions based on it, on how much, you know, a, aggressive play you're willing to take on um so that i was a little all over the place starting out but if i really struggle with something i would practice i typically practice putting inside of six feet for a minimum of an hour to hour and a half a day for that whole year brant snedeker told me why practice putting outside of that you're only going to make so many so i pretty much just took his word at that and practice inside six feet and mm-hmm. so he's like i want to see that ball go in the hole and so he's like you're only going to make so many 10 footers anyways so just practice yeah. six footers when did you get the opportunity to work with snedeker <clears throat> so he's from nashville he went to bandy and mm-hmm. so a uh, guy that i worked with uh i was around snedeker just a few times early on and so we'd get out and play and I was so nervous the first time I played with him. I had only really been playing legitimately for like, I can't remember, maybe like a year and a half or so at that point. Um, but was just so excited. And I was sitting there. He was probably getting tired of the questions I was asking while I'm playing. <laughs> and right. so we, we're, we're walking down this one fairway. And this was, it was just like, yeah, that makes so much sense. I asked him, there's a bunker 50 yards short of the green. I was like, Grant, like, what do you do to practice like 50 yard bunker shots? I was like, they are so difficult to to hit. He looks at me, he goes, why would you ever hit it there? I was like, well, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. He's like, I don't practice 50 yard bunker shots. He's like, I might be there one time in two or three years. He's like, I'll figure it out at that point. (laughs) He's like for one shot, why practice it? So he's like, practice the things that you do all the time and just get really, really good at it. That's cool. Smart. That's really good advice from a phenomenal player. Now, I want to just quickly go back because you're 22, you leave college, you go home, you're living with your parents, you're grinding. Well, first of all, it's safe to say you've never had a nine to five job in your life. Is that correct? Any office life? I've waited a lot of tables. 
Okay. No, we no never went to that slide. corporate I, world. <laughs> Got it. So it was golf grind. At, and I want to know at what point in that transition when you came home and you were grinding and you see your handicap going down and down, at what point did you take the leap and, and, and join some tournaments and get competitive? So the very first tournament that I ever really played in, I had played in like a few junior events when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but first event, turn pro right off the bat, which I know is a little ridiculous. I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> wouldn't recommend doing that. But that was the choice I made at that point in time was the Tennessee State Open. And actually, it was hard to tell because live leaderboards aren't great in those smaller events. I was either tied for the lead or had the lead with nine holes left in that tournament. Um, I, my buddy ended up winning, Grant Lever, who played on the Corn Ferry Tour and played in several PGA Tour events as well. Really good player. Uh, needless to say, after those the last nine, I was nowhere near the lead. Um, I think I made eight bogeys in a row. I just couldn't stop making bogeys. It was yeah. I couldn't feel my arms, couldn't feel my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went out, I think the first round shot 67, five under, and then shot like five under or so four under maybe on the front nine of the last round and then shot like 44 or something like that (laughs) on the back nine so it was a very good learning experience um it was fun um but i knew i needed to work on my mental game and also my course management was awful at that point in time um and so that was kind of where I was at I was that would have been the summer after so I graduated spring of 05 spring of 09 from college this would have been summer 10 2010 Mm -hmm. um would have been the first event um and then kind of played in a bunch of one and two day events kind of played in a handful of uh back when it used to be called the Hooters tour and then it was like the NGA tour, Swing Thought tour. It's been several different names. Um, played in a handful of those events. Um, kind of played okay from time to time, but just didn't really have any competitive experience to fall back on. But played in the final group with some very good players um, and a handful of Hooters events back then. Back when I would have said that the Hooters tour back then was roughly as competitive as the Corn Ferry. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that's crazy. But there was, a, I felt like that tour, half that tour the next year was the Corn Ferry Tour <laughs> back right, then. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, and I mean, Pat Kazire, and I mean, I could name several guys I played with uh, that were on that tour then, um, Peter Malnati and tons of other guys. Um, and so that was early on and honestly was struggling paying for these events i had no amateur um career to show any sponsors or anything so full circle back to what we were talking about early that's why when i was in germany he was encouraging me hey build a platform to give sponsors a reason to back you or be interested and uh kind of supporting you through through the tour so that's how i got started and that was the reasoning for that and then it kind of escalated to a point that I didn't anticipate all that right. going. So, but but at that time, other than them him giving you that nudge, social media, that whole type of you know content creator thing, that wasn't even on your radar. You were just in this you know pursuit for of, of a more traditional, I would say, golf career. For sure, hated taking pictures, wanted no part in making a video, just absolutely hated it. And I took one picture one time. I, it probably was like two months after that first post, maybe three months. I was like, at the time, I thought it was a super cool picture. <laughs> Looking back, it was probably trash, but <laughs> it was, I was like, oh, that was cool. I can do this and I've got this idea now. And it was kind of a domino effect from there. And then started getting into videos probably a year later. Um, but it actually started out with me taking pictures and stuff like that. So. It's incredible too, because now you see how great your stuff is, how comfortable you are with it. You know, it's good, I think, for a lot of people to hear that everyone starts off uncomfortable. And I think any of us, you scroll back our first video, even on YouTube, yeah. we, we every once in a while look at that just to laugh and it's just, you just cringe out of your skin. But 
then you realize like you got to start somewhere you know nobody comes out That's their true. first you know movie is star wars it just yeah. doesn't work that way but um so okay so now we're still in this process we're, we're kind of grinding through the the mini tour um and but you're starting to see some traction starting to pick up i would imagine a little bit with social media as well was there a point when you did start to get some attention from potential sponsors or was there any type of tipping point there where you started to see like hey things are going on over here on the content creation side too like where did that start to pivot probably the first year that i went to the pga show let's see that would have been 2017 2018 one of those two years and i started seeing uh when i went that first year there was a handful of us crazy content influencer kids whatever Mm -hmm. um there was like maybe 15 of us it was like uh butsy and golf sean from golf ball Mm -hmm, uh tanya tare we were there 2017 i think was our first visit there too yeah yeah or 2018 one of those two and so that was just it was funny to see that all of us kind of hung out that year Mm-hmm. everyone's kind of gone their own separate ways uh from now and everyone i think is doing really well it was funny though to see that we were pulling in more views of this little group of kids in the corner than i hate to say this than the entire show itself mm-hmm. at, at that point in time and we were just those crazy kids that no one knew what to do with early on <laughs> and so but we all kind of were seeing where things were going and probably shortly thereafter that was when I had a couple viral videos do well. My Instagram started growing and started getting reached out to by brands. And it was like, hmm, okay, so I can make this into something real. And so probably, or let's say early 2018 is when I really started seeing the possibilities of what was going on. But I probably was spending... 35 40 hours a week on my instagram and making videos when i was seeing nothing from it probably did that for like a year and a half two years and i mean it was a grind yeah uh-huh. Well, I mean, look, you're talking to two guys that did a podcast for two years before anyone even listened to it so we we totally get what you're saying and but at that point was it was it all instagram focused or had you launched the YouTube channel? Had you gotten into like the longer form, like kind of going out on the course vlog style videos at that point yet? I had not. So it would have been three years ago, November. So 2018 November mm-hmm. was when I had a YouTube channel. Like if you see when it was created, it was like 2014, but I didn't really upload a video for years. And then uploaded a how to hit a stinger video that summer and then didn't upload anything for a while. So I had one video upload like middle of 2018 summer and then November, right around Thanksgiving, I was like, I'm all in. I think I made 30 videos in like 40 something days. So I was basically, I would go to the course, film, edit all night, wake up, edit till it was done, post it which it was normally that evening and then go to sleep, wake up, go film edit. And I did that for almost two months in a row. And that kind of got the initial start, but it took me probably, I think it was 55 days to get monetized from the day I chose to like really grind it out. And then it obviously y'all know it's up, it's up and down. It's up and down, but hopefully, like the plateau goes a little higher each each yeah. time it dips down. De- definitely does, and 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 part of that growth has come from a lot of great collabs. And we know that you've worked with a ton of people on your channel. We've seen some great collabs, and and one of them in particular, Garrett and Micah and GM Golf. I want to ask you, when did that relationship start? Is, is are those guys you knew forever growing up, or did you meet them it along the like way? It seems like it was in the early days of your Instagram that we saw a lot of working right. together. Yeah, so. This would have been probably 2017. Mm. I'm still trying to figure things out on Instagram and what this whole world is and all that. And I had just started kind of getting into some videos 
and just started posting some of the very early on stingers. And all of a sudden I get this notification that someone tagged me in a post. And I look and I was like, who is this GM golf kid? And he challenges me to a stinger competition on <laughs> over a post. Yep. I was like, this kid uh-huh. throwing this challenge out here. Like no one in the golf world was doing that kind of stuff at right. that point in time. No one was reaching out. Really, there was almost no one collabing at that stage. I'm sure there was like a few, but no one was really reaching out to each other. And so I made a video challenging him back. I hit a shot. We went back and forth, maybe like 10 videos each, something like that. And then I ended up just driving to Kansas City um, and GM, Garrett, and Micah. So at the very beginning, that was they were both doing GM golf. Mm -hmm. Well, Micah stepped away for a period and then came back. And so I was there when they were just getting started. I was still kind of just getting started and it was fun. We're just back there in Garrett's backyard doing trick shots on his putting green. And some of those trick shots would get first take, no joke. And some we would get nine hours later. (laughs) And the one thing I noticed with Garrett, honestly, I'm, I grind. I will spend whatever it takes. Garrett is like beyond me. Like, no one grinds and works as hard as he has. So I got to commend him. It's unreal oh. how much time, effort, and work that Garrett and Micah as well mm-hmm. uh, now. But Garrett, there was something about him. I was like, this kid will just, he's in it until the video's done. Like, however long it takes, yeah. which is super impressive. There's not many people out there. So that was early on. And we don't get to see that. I would I would love somebody to put together a YouTube series like just called like Between the Posts or yeah, something. There you go. Because we see them when they happen and we assume it's a lot of work, but I don't think anyone really realizes how much work it truly is. And in, the, in those videos, we go back and watch them and see how much fun you guys are having. But it's a lot of dedication to keep doing it until it works. I mean, yeah, Frank and I still joke about the DM that Garrett sent us before he really hit it big. I mean, we, we pulled it up, you know, because you could scroll back on Instagram DM forever. And uh, this was sub 10,000 on, on IG. He was asking us to give him a final push, send him a hat to do some trick shots. And we were like, hey, this kid's pretty, he's pretty talented. Let's send him a, a G hat. And we were just up and coming. And sure enough, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's evidence that he was grinding. And you could tell again. how hard the kid wanted to work just from those conversations. He just kept hitting us. And, and, and so we're, we're right there with you on that. Hey guys, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Titleist. The evolution of the T-Series advances Titleist even further in their mission to produce the best irons in the world. New materials, new processes, and new refinements power new precision that must be felt to be played. We got a chance to feel it firsthand in our T-Series fitting just this past summer, and I've been really loving gaming the new T-200s for me. I know, Mike, you're in the T-300s. That's right. There is something Mm -hmm. for everyone in that lineup, and I think the best thing that we can always suggest to you guys is go get fit you get these things they're incredible clubs to start with and once you get them dialed in just butter just butter, butter. baby absolutely love it so each model is an instrument of exacting performance passed from titleist r&d to tour pros to you it's the titleist t-series precision made precision played check them out now at titleist.com and we want to thank FootJoy for providing us with the apparel that we need to play through any season and every season. We know it's cold, but it doesn't mean you have to stop playing golf. We layer up, we continue to grind, and we make every day playable. FootJoy has more apparel for more seasons uh, than you can imagine. Things like the base one, uh, sorry, the phase one base layer thermal, the hybrid hoodie, the hydro tour jacket, which I love, waterproof. It's mobile. You could swing with a jacket on without worrying about your swing, not getting through the ball. It's a great outer layer, wind protection. Um, it's warm. It's thin, but it's warm. That's what we love about it. And the countless other things that FootJoy provides from the, the hats and the gloves and the stay soft gloves, the winter gloves, the they rain They truly gloves. do extend the season. They do. The reality they, they, is they, it really does. You, if you nothing... layer properly and you're able to do that, you're able to, to play more golf, which that's is it. what we're all that's about. That's what we want. We that's want right. more rounds carded every single year and FootJoy allows us to do that. So you got to check it out for yourself. Visit FootJoy.com and go see what they've got to offer. Yeah. One so, quick little video uh, that we did that took forever that in the video, it may not have looked that difficult, but basically Garrett hit a ball through 
hit a slab, bounce over my head, bounce around, and I slid the slab. Well, those slabs were like 30, 35 pounds each. I slid that slab like maybe seven, 800 times until we finally got it. I woke up the next morning and couldn't move because uh-huh. it's the most awkward. You've been down slide and just doing that over and over for about eight hours. Oh, that was man. just a little side we'll note. Try to that was that one up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, look what this is kind of leading to. And, and we're seeing like the grind kind of shifting because now you're talking about being up all night editing, spending hours and hours doing these. So at that point, it doesn't sound like you had the same amount of time to dedicate to a more traditional golf practice and playing in tournaments. So was there like a decision made at that point? Like I'm going to shift my limited 24 hours in the day that I have towards this and maybe back off the mini tours a bit. Yeah. So that was probably about two to two and a half years ago when that, it it wasn't just like one day shift. It was, you know, this week I'm going to keep focusing on this and maybe I'll sign up for an event in a month or two. And then probably two years ago, a little under two years ago, I was like, well, I'm just all in here. And I still try to practice enough to keep the game decent. Mm-hmm. And so, but normally almost all my videos, no joke, there's no warm up. I go straight to the tee, press record, and we're filming and going. Yeah. And so that, that has kind of taken the forefront, the content and the videos. And I love doing it. I, I really genuinely do. It's, it's a lot of, um, editing and I know y'all I'm preaching to the choir here saying that, um, and each video probably takes me cause almost every video I do now is nine holes roughly, yeah. um, either a match or course vlog, something like that. And each video probably takes, you know, two two and a quarter hours to film um i've gotten pretty quick with it so i it doesn't really take much longer to film it than to just normally play um but then you know by the time you get all the footage and cut it all put shot tracers all that you know 10 hours later on the edit you're finally uploading it so about 12 hours of video maybe 13 hours of video (laughs) and and the amount of videos you're doing is what's incredible and and what blew my mind when, when we played together and I'm wondering if you still do this. At that time, you were doing all the editing on your iPhone. I still I still can't imagine all those hours of editing on iPhone. Are you still doing that or have you moved on to some other form of editing? Oh, we're going to see a timeline. Uh-oh. <laughs> he still does it on his iPhone. Yeah, uh, no. Oh, you use the Splice. Everything on Splice. Yep. I am yep. so impressed that you can do that. These are the raw clips. I haven't started. Like, I have I have my system. And because I'm traveling so much, I, I can do it way quicker on there than on the computer. I know that sounds crazy. I just, I've tried. Are you filming them I've on got the a couple too? guys. Or are you filming them no. on a separate camera want, and impor- importing them? Because do you want to see my yeah. camera set up? I'll show it. Because I'm just so impressed with the quality. Yeah, yeah, go grab yeah. it. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, yeah. We could tell the audience. Because that even, like, he Mike, was back filming in that time, like, he, was, he was filming everything. The, the iPhone, iPhone was life, for example. And editing it, and the videos were phenomenal. Yeah. So, so I was doing everything on the iPhone um, in 2018, 19 when I started. So for, I think I hit 40. Maybe it was 30, 35,000 subs filming everything on the iPhone. So I encourage everyone, if they mm-hmm. want to get started, start on the phone and like get down the process because it is way easier than having to deal with the camera yeah. early on. I think yeah. cameras kind of scare people. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember when we played so. together, we're lugging this big DSLR in the, in the mic. <laughs> and there's Zach. I got a nice process. He's got more <laughs> subscribers. Yeah. He's playing a better video than we are, I'm sure. And he's got an iPhone. But we tell people the same thing because we had um, we had one instance about a year or two ago. We got to play Baltusrol. And it was, they, it was so tight on limitations that they said, you can film, but it can only be an iPhone because we don't want to distract anyone. And we went out there. We did it. it we did it with video. iPhone. I, I don't know how you do it every time. It's a challenge. But we say the same thing to people because we get, a, and I'm sure you get the same. We get a lot of DMs and people messaging us say, like, I want to do what you do and, and document my rounds. How do I do it? And the first thing we say is just take your phone out there and just film. Start there. Just start. Just do it. It'll get better yep. at a time, you know? 
But let's see this, this modern more. day rig. Let's see what we've got. And we so still got drones. This was okay. I've got a drone. I've got the Mavic Air Two. Okay. It's small, compact. It's super easy to just is, throw is up an, there real quick. And that's a new piece of equipment for you in the past years because I remember when we played, you didn't have drone. Right. That okay. would have been twenty twenty in February twenty twenty. I think is when I got my first or the drone. Um, and it's been great. I mean, cool. I don't try to do anything crazy with it. I mean, just get some aerial shots, and I'm not trying to be the best drone pilot or anything right, like that. Because you're still a one-man shot. Just, it's just you out there, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So I've got my process down. You know, I typically film the whole video and then come back, try to find a couple spots and throw the drone up um, mm. and then get maybe a stinger or two. So I've kind of got my daily routine as far as the footage goes. But this is the camera I went to after the phone. So this is the Sony A6600. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah, yep. right there. Mm-hmm. Very familiar with um, that one, yeah. Got a little small rig. This thing's a little beast. This thing has been awesome. Uh, filmed in 20-degree weather and 124-degree weather in this thing. <laughs> Playing playing Furnace Creek, bottom of Death Valley. Ah, Me and my brother were the only ones out there. It was pretty unreal. I had a a cooler with ice and a plastic bag. So we'd film one shot, put the camera down into the cooler and the ice bag in between every single shot. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was oh boy, it was fun, but oof, that, I don't recommend filming in 124 degree weather. And uh, uh, this is the new oh yeah, right. Beast. This is the new guy, yeah. FX3. Yeah, so, there it is. This thing's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were so. looking at some of the clips you're posting, be like, "There's no way he's still shooting." I mean, I, iPhone is great <laughs> video, but let me tell you something for sure. Yeah. The quality uh-huh. of what you're getting now. So that's that's cool, and that's and I think that's part of the fun is just as you go learning and and finding new ways to make your content, you know, a little bit better, like piece by piece. And it's shown for sure. Now you've talking about golf courses. You've got to play some incredible courses. Um, when when we were chatting two years ago, I remember you told me the story about Cypress Point, and I think you were saying that at that time it was one of the your favorites you've got to play but we've seen some incredible courses hawaii i remember those videos were were really big for you are there any that stand out as as some of your favorites that you've played so far and maybe some that are still on that list to get to for sure so some of my favorites so far the back nine at cyprus there's nothing in my mind that would compare Mm -hmm. to nine holes of golf it's if you ever have the honor to get to play it, it's really pretty special. I mean, 15, 16, 17, probably the coolest three-hole stretch that there is in golf, in my opinion. And wasn't um, there a cool story the, with that, too? Like, did you you get, like, a spot last minute? I'm trying to dig back in my mind here. Yeah, it was something that my friend asked me to come just walk the course. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I didn't. And then we're... Um, there and he hands me the bag and he's like use my clubs you can play i was like what (laughs) so i was like this doesn't happen so that was pretty sweet that honestly it's still pretty unbelievable so that was how i ended up getting to play cyprus probably coolest craziest course i've ever played was koalau in hawaii it was like you're playing in the middle of jurassic park um mm-hmm. that was super cool unfortunately it closed i heard like a year and a half ago uh, um the price to maintain that course is pretty high it being like i think it's a rainforest is it was technically classified being in um but that was the coolest setting of a course probably coolest epic views terrain Sand Hollow holes 12 through 14, 15. Uh, it's like on the edge of cliffs and the Red Rock, and it's pretty awesome if you ever get the chance. It's in St. George, Utah. Okay. Uh, there's other courses there in the area, too, that are pretty awesome. Um, favorite golf hole, probably number 12 at Elkhorn Ridge in South Dakota, Spearfish, South Dakota. Mm. The front nine was a fun course, kind of – not a whole lot 
to it. Some elevation changes for sure. Back nine, one of the coolest little stretches of holes on the back nine there. And number 12, it's a par five. It's like 600 something yards and there's marshland, there's cliffs and like rock edge there, split fairway. And then to the right, it's like prairie grass rolling hills. And then down by the green, it's like a little creek rolling and massive rocks. And it's like, it's one of the craziest terrains because it's like four different terrains on one hole. Mm, it's a super fun hole. So I also eagled it the only time I played it. So yeah. that probably yeah, helps yeah, and yeah. how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> that definitely takes yeah. it from a nine to a 10 definitely. really quick. So how much of this is like what you're doing is because you're, you're obviously rattling off quite a few even different states. Like how much is it travel versus kind of filming closer to home? Are you, are, I know COVID kind of changed that for everyone to a certain extent for at least for a while, but are you traveling most of the time? Last year, I would have to look to see exactly, but I was probably traveling more than I was home. So I was probably, I think roughly seven months. I did go on like a little over two month road trip starting here in Nashville, went up into Wisconsin, all the way across to Seattle and looped it back. And when I dropped Micah and Katie off at the airport in Seattle and I clicked go home and it said one day and 13 hours of drive time, Oh. I had to take a deep breath and just Ooh. like, oh. what was that? So ride home we like? just <laughs> how many how many stops was, did you make? So I stopped. So I dropped them off and I drove like six hours to somewhere in Oregon. Okay, just a hotel off the side of the road, and then I booked it all the way to Middle of Nebraska the next day, and then drove from there to actually Garrett's parents' house in Kansas City stayed the night there and then drove it home from there. I wasn't stopping to play golf at that point in time. I'm like, yeah. we just got to get this drive done. And Absolutely. so <laughs> booked wow. it back. Oh, that's wild. That's a route right there. Well, I, I tell you, you, you mentioned Gary and them. We, we talked about them earlier. Any, any more or new collabs in the future for you guys, you and, and I think they're doing incredible things with good, good. I think they're doing a great job of, of growing the game, especially for a young audience. Uh, any chance we'll see you back doing some stuff with them? Yeah, definitely hoping so. Uh, me and Micah for sure. Um, and all of our schedules are kind of all over the place. And so yeah. now it's a lot more difficult to kind of mesh up. Um, for sure, me and Micah, um, we're trying to actually work on something right now uh, for the summer. Um, but yeah, hopefully be able to get our schedules lined up for the rest of the boys too. Yeah, that's the hard part. Like you said, I mean, everybody's grinding and, and I see them too, traveling them. Uh, you know, filming daily, you're doing the same. So it's tough to get those cr paths across. But um, one path we saw across recently, you and Scott Stallings. And uh, and that was really fun to see you going head to head with a PGA Tour Pro. How, how did that come together? So Scott's awesome. Like genuine dude, really appreciated him taking the time. We've known each other for a little while. Uh, just never really quite worked out for us to film uh, for our schedules. And ended up we had a day and unfortunately that day that lined up for both of us was 30 degrees yeah, we saw and that. ice cold <laughs> yeah looked cold yeah also, where was that film I, where were you guys so that was in knoxville at holston hills okay it's uh just outside of knoxville he's from knoxville i went to tennessee in knoxville um so i'm very familiar with knoxville and we also worked out at like 5.30 a.m. that morning. Scott was like, hey, work out in the a.m., golf in the p.m. I was like, sweet. So I'm thinking, well, maybe like 8, 8.30 workout. He's like, yeah, we start at 5.30. I'm like, oh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. So you had the opportunity because Scott was on the show last year. He talked a lot about the barn. Is that where you work yep. out? Yep. Tell us about That's that. That's where we were. What's behind those doors? So I walk in there, 5.30. Uh, I think I was like maybe a minute early. So like 529 walk in there and him, there's a couple other guys, a couple of his friends and they're telling us what we're doing. I never do cardio. I do walk almost every round of golf that I play and I work out probably five days a week, but I'll do more stretching and weights and strength training, stuff like that. I just don't do cardio. And he's like, yeah, we're doing interval cardio today. I'm like, oh, awesome. 
So, <laughs> yeah, I made it through it, thankfully. But I will say his setup in there is awesome. So it's like at the base of his driveway and it's kind of separate from the house and it's a garage, but it's more of a barn. It's a, like a big, it would be a massive garage, mm. but it was, had everything you wanted. He's got his little golf closet back there. He calls it a closet. It's almost like a room, just mm. golf yeah. paradise yeah. in there. And it's, he's got a net on the one side, a little putting green on the side. I mean, it is a golfer's workout paradise and his backyard, which was pretty awesome to be able to go and work out there. That's yeah, pretty cool. I can imagine. Um, one other thing I wanted to dig into before we let you go, I want to talk about a little bit about what's in the bag. Yes. Cause I think you've made some changes too. I've seen on the, uh, recently, I think it was the new Titleist TSI. I think it was three driver if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've seen you've been experimenting with some other stuff, some of those really sexy blades I saw in there too. So, uh, and, and I wanted to ask too, is there a new stinger club? Cause I did see that the old four iron bit the dust at one point there. It did. It was on hole number four in Montana in a match on Micah's channel, just teeing off and that thing went flying <laughs> and that was sad. That was sad. I've had, well, that it had a lot of like life in it years. until that point. It had a lot you, of life it until that point. You know? I'm sure that one club had a lot of views and subs and follows in it with all yeah. those stingers, man. It, <laughs> so this is going way back when I, before I started posting content or anything, I remember telling a buddy of mine who was the assistant pro at national golf at the time. I, I don't even know why, but I love that club so much. And I remember telling him at one point, I was just holding the club and I just, you know, hit a tee shot. We were playing nine or something. And I was like, this club's going to get a lot of views one day. <laughs> this was like years before I'd ever done social media. I don't even know why I made that comment at that point in time. But <laughs> I was like, this club's so awesome that yep. it's going to get a lot of views one day. Didn't know how. Yeah. So sure that was enough. a comment probably two or three years before. <laughs> That's wild. And didn't it, didn't it, I saw somewhere. Did you repair it? I thought I'd like so mm-hmm. you bring it to somebody and somebody fixed it. Is it back in the bag? So it is. It, it broke again. Ah, oh. unfortunately. Oh, yeah, so that's a we put it to rest. It's it trying to, rest. to tell you something. And he wants to be retired. It is. And, yeah. I, I probably will make a little plaque or something of it at some at some point in time, just for fun. I, I won't get rid of it. I will always hang on to that club head um that was that club was awesome so currently working on it i've got some options um i've got uh some new titleist driving irons but we're trying to kind of dial it in right now i was mm-hmm. actually hitting these new ones a little higher than i would like a lot of the driving irons how they're built is to actually get height and mm-hmm. for a good stinger you don't really want that height And so I had that four iron bent a little strong and it was upright a little bit. And so it was kind of dialed into where I wanted it. So we're we're working on that currently, trying some different heads out. And so what's in the bag will be coming soon. Okay. I will say I've been hitting the Hulk uh, hazardous. Uh, uh That thing is awesome. Yeah. That thing is awesome. Everyone wants yeah. that, Jeff, just because how it looks. Doesn't mean we can all play it, I, but we all want it. Oh, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely looks awesome. The color is just awesome. on. And so you have that on your in your uh, TSI 3 driver? Yep, gotcha. I do. And gotcha. 620 MB irons. Um, I've got, um, well, I hate to keep walking away from the camera. I have my bag. It's right there. I'll all grab right, a couple see. of them. Let's see. Show yeah. You. yeah. Yeah, we got to see them because they're fresh. We like to see some fresh. And if you guys are, are listening to the podcast, make sure you check out our YouTube channel where you can watch the show and, and see uh, exactly what we're talking about here. So here is the hazardous oh, right that. here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. That's pretty. So we got that. Now, have you always been a Titleist guy? Because I know that for a Titleist, it, it just like through the years, just like that's what you found worked for you or, or is there a reason? Yeah. You know, you, that you're they going look to. really good. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. I went and tested everything pretty much maybe three months ago. 
and Titleist performed the best. I will say I've looked at Titleist irons for a really long time. And so it was one of those things that it's a comfortable look to me. So maybe that's why I swung them better. I will say the TSI 3 surprised me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that that was going to be the club head because I actually have hit tailor-made drivers pretty much mm-hmm. my whole life. Um, so, but the TSI 3 uh, proved to be definitely the better head. So, and then that hazardous shaft, I will say, took me just like a few swings to kind of get used to it. And I had one day where I didn't hit it great, but when I swing it well, that's probably the best shaft I've ever, mm. ever had. So, yeah. and Zach, do you have any, you have no, no sponsorships or do you work with anyone from a club standpoint? From a club? Um, currently, um, I have had some help, mm-hmm. some clubs, uh, from that, but as far as just an actual sponsorship clubs, I am not. Nothing formalized. So, yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But I, gotcha. I mean, I've, I've had some, some help for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, nothing, nothing formally. Um, this is a 60, a 2021 proto yeah. wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing's pretty awesome. And I'm looking at it right now. Scott would be super mad at me. That is not totally clean. And, uh, <laughs> if you watch the video, Scott would yeah. give me a hard time about how dirty some of my clubs were. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. Um, but rightfully so. Um, so this is one of the, this is the U500 mm-hmm. um, three iron that we've been trying to see if this would be the new Stinger Club. I don't know yet. So we're going to try another one. And we're going to find out from there. But I think I'm going to try the 200, the T200 head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of what I was looking at. Uh, I think the 500, the U500, just promotes a lot higher ball flight. I can hit that thing to the moon. Yeah. 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 I have the U505. And it just, I do it because I'm, I'm no stinger guy. You know that. I, I like it because it helps me get that ball up on a harder, a club that's traditionally harder to hit. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. That thing would be tough to do what you do with it because it, it does help you out so much. Um, the one thing I want to jump in and we didn't touch on, and I see you you wearing it proudly, is Ostrich. Yeah. Uh, here's an apparel brand that you launched. And I remember you, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, were you, you launched it right before COVID hit? I think you were so, prepping for launch when we played together in 2019. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the day the lockdowns started that two weeks was the day we launched (laughs) and that had been scheduled for our launch for a while and it's going to make for a great story one day it is it really (laughs) is is. (laughs) because where are you at now so we've been roughly two years Mm -hmm. uh since the launch uh, a little under but and we've been very thankful i will say it's, you know, it's been tough to sure. uh, manufacturers and uh, dealing with shipping. Uh, we've sold in, I believe, I'd have to look, but I think we're up to 17 countries we've sold in now, wow. uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I will say that shipping to some countries over the last little while is, has been a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, so, but I've greatly appreciated everyone's support. Um, we are working on some new stuff. Um, I've been at getting a lot of questions on why there haven't been anything new coming out and just behind the scenes a little bit, we were in a transition period, having to move manufacturers, just kind of, is what it is. And in that between time we're we're working on some new stuff, but, uh, just give us a little time and yeah. it's coming. <laughs> well, and, and to not put, put the cart before the horse for anyone who's new to it, ostrich is your apparel brand. And what's kind of, tell us a little bit about it in general. Like what's the mission? What was the idea behind starting an apparel brand? Yeah. So our tagline is not your average birdie. We wanted to, you know, kind of be part of that new up and coming um, generation of golfers. We wanted the quality of Peter Millar, but kind of targeting that mid-level price, kind of coming in at a better price, but also not, um, not, um, but having the same quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we wanted the same quality as a high end, um, polo, um, but something that was a little more affordable. 
Um, we did start out with bamboo. I really like the feel and everything of bamboo. And so that's where we started with how everything's changed so much in the last two years. We're not quite sure if we're going to stick with bamboo. It's just mm-hmm. become a lot more difficult to, to uh, make. And so we're trying, we're in that decision making process right now. But yeah, we, we want hoodies on the golf course and we are wanting to target that next generation of golfers, but giving them a high quality uh, polo, hoodie, hat, whatever you're, you're looking for. And we're going to keep branching out. Eventually, one day, we want to have a women's line and everything. Um, but we want to execute each item when we come out with it. So that's why we've, we've taken it slow. And I just want everyone to be really happy and have a great experience from the first time that they make a purchase. We do something that I've been very adamant about. We have a handwritten note letter to everyone that makes a purchase that it's in your package when it arrives. So we want that personal touch, even though we are all online e-commerce at the moment. Uh, So we want to feel like uh, they're a part of the family. Gotcha. That's really cool. And what's the best place to get that apparel? Where can we point people to? Uh, Ostrich.com. No I. So O-S-T-R-C-H.com. And we'll definitely I really appreciate that it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, I think it's incredible what you're doing. So then what now, now we've got, like it's a kind of coming full circle. As you said, we've got, you know, the YouTube channel hitting a hundred thousand subscribers. You've got the, the apparel brand is starting to really, you know, get its legs under it, you know, two years in, what does the future hold? What, where, where's, where's Zach Radford headed? So this is something I haven't shared with anyone and I can't go into much detail on it, but I have, created my own platform and it's all the back end and the ui is pretty much done um it's going to be a golf channel youtube netflix mix and it's uh, i'm really excited about it so it, awesome. it will be coming soon uh we've been in the process for a little while working on it and so i kind of feel called to help the up and coming content creators and I can give them advice on how to make better YouTube videos, how to film stuff better. But if I can build a platform, I can genuinely help them. Mm-hmm. And so I want to provide a space for them to learn the process of content creation, but also be able to make some money early on and be able to kind of start um, carving the path for them. And with Ostrich, we can pair in helping them with their apparel. Um, and then I've got some ideas with nfts as well so that's very cool yeah so i mean that's great stuff and i think it's it's so good for the game of golf to start to see so many other personalities because the reality is it's it's great watching the pg tour and more that more traditional exposure that we got to golf content but i think as we have these other personalities that there's more and more that people can attach to. And I think it brings people into the game. I've always said, I think this should be as wide as we can get it when it comes to content creators, bring as many people as you can. And it's always been our philosophy to collaborate with as many people as you can, who cares what size anybody is, whatever it may be. There's always at the end of the day, there's that, that kid who might get into the game because they may attach to this personality, be able to relate to someone that they see on, on whether on YouTube or potentially with this new platform that you're going to be diving into. So I think it's just great for growing the game and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I think we really have something and it, it will be coming out soon. So awesome. Yeah, I well, can't we, wait for that. We will stay tuned for that. Well, listen, Zach, appreciate it. Mike, sorry. Before I let you go, yeah, go one ahead. final picture I got to share with you. Cause I want you to see, uh, do you remember what was happening here? <laughs> um, oh boy is this that our, was, our album that was a cover day. for our boy band oh what, what is this absolutely when's the hey, single coming out yeah was right my question do you remember the name <laughs> of that course i want to test you oh a guy who plays oh, all over the world yeah i think i stopped i feel like me. i don't even remember where that was it. i because i had to go to the i fold. feel like eagle was in the name but that could be not correct at all you were pretty close because you probably played eagle brook that same week or something because we were there oh i did did. yes this was dub's dread dub's dread dub's dread and i lost my cell phone when you guys helped me find it oh yeah that was (laughs) dude that was that was the day 
That yeah. was the day. That was. <laughs> I still remember that night we were running around that because the, the, the sun had set by the time we got back to the golf course. We had to go back to our hotel, our 40 hotel, minute drive, go grab the computer, computer so we could do the air, whatever it's called. So I had to like uh, find my iPhone, find my iPhone. Right. And yeah. we're running around in the dark with the computer on the golf course trying to yeah, find that iPhone. But that was something. To you this to this day, you and Andrew Jensen were just such sweethearts for sticking around after a five hour <laughs> filming of three separate videos to help me look for it. So, yeah. I'll never hey, forget I, I know the struggle of losing your phone, yeah. so I had all the sympathy in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll always appreciate that. Well, well, we'll have to redo it. We no. got to get back oh, out. Okay. We'll For sure. Play with you again. Um, obviously, this year we're not. I don't know about you. We're not headed to the PGA show. Uh, just uh, fortunately, couldn't make it happen. And it was very back and forth whether it was even going to happen with COVID. But uh, I'm sure we'll be back there again next year, if not before that. We'll, we'll get a chance to link up and, and play together again. For sure. Can I ask y'all like what y'all are planning on doing this summer, and if there's a possible overlap that we could meet up or. Sure. I Hang mean, out or whatever. We're, we're a lot of travel in our plans, especially a lot of East Coast stuff. Like we're targeting maybe, you know, Kiowa. We're actually going to Innisbrook next month and going to spend uh, nice. four days in Tampa. Um, and, you know, we've always wanted to get to Nashville. And, and there's like other places that would be probably a for you an easy car ride driving from Seattle. You probably don't care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Drive> right. <anywhere. laughs> but, you know, if there's anything yeah. that's, you know, I'd love to do it again. It'd be great. Yeah. We'll so I'm trying that. to hit, I've got two states left. Now, I haven't played golf in 48 states, but I've been to 48 states. I've got two states left. So I want to take a road trip up to Maine. Okay. So maybe if y'all are somewhere yeah. in the 100%. vicinity. Yeah, especially if you're going to come through this area, you know, New York, New Jersey, you know, we'll get you on some um, some courses. We've got some places we could play together. So let's definitely link be fun. through that. We just did a, a little Vermont mini series at the end of last year. We had a lot of fun with that. So I'm, I'm sure Maine will be really cool. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I've yeah. got Maine and Alaska. Those are my last two states. So we're almost there. Golf in Alaska. <laughs> I'm sure that's a very small window for that. So <laughs> there's a couple courses up there. There are a few courses up there. So it could happen. <laughs> Super All right. Well, cool. listen, thanks again. We appreciate the time today. And uh, I'm sure, like I said, we're pa our pads will cross again. We'll get a chance to play in person. But this was really great catching up with you. And, and like I said, a lot of great stuff on the fire. So congrats again on 100,000 subscribers. Congrats on everything that you got going on with Ostrich and that whole line. And uh, we look forward to seeing even more from you in the next com coming months. Really do appreciate y'all having me on. This was fun. Really thanks. enjoyed it. Appreciate that, man. Anytime. Thanks again. All right, so I, I, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was really looking forward to getting Zach on the show, mm -hmm. and and now you know you can kind of you can see it. You know, he's just one of the nicest, most down to earth, like relatable guys. Yeah. In in all of the golf, whatever you want to call it, the golf content creation space or whatever right. it may mm -hmm. be, and I just thought it was so interesting to have a guy like this on the show who who did have that that two kind of dual journey of of the the more traditional um, making a living out of golf with like you know playing on, on professional tournaments and trying to you know win money and stuff like that there and then this new world this new world of content creation and and uh just seeing where that split became for him i thought it was so interesting at the beginning of the show where he mentioned like he had to be pushed into social media right i know and now you know it's the thing uh -huh. that that's really helped him to amplify who he is and his message and and just taking that from there and then just growing beyond himself to yeah. the ostrich brand and and some of the other new things that he says he's going to be launching in these coming uh months I just thought all of that was just incredible, but uh, hoping to get a chance to get out there and play with them again in person because at the end of the day, yeah, great guy, great personality, but when it comes to golf, he's a stick. He Damn. really is. And it's just, it, you can watch his stinger videos all day long, mm -hmm. but when you see it in person and you yeah. hear it, you know, Dude the way he hits score. a golf ball, yeah. man. He knows how to score that kid. He sure does. You he know, well, he's put in the grind. We obviously know that now. But that's, I think there's a, a huge lesson for us all to learn from that. And some of us, we get frustrated mm -hmm. with our golf game and like, why is it not going anywhere? But then you take a hard look at yourself. How many hours did you work on your game in the last week? Yeah. Right? Now compare that to Zach. Eight hours a day, nonstop, 
for what did he say? Three, at least three straight months, seven yeah. days a week, eight While hours waiting a day tables at night. So think about how yeah. tired you are, but right. still pushing yourself and right. pushing yourself. But, and, and I, but I, I think also not just the amount of practice, but the focus that he had mm-hmm. instead of just going to the range and just beating balls, he would get out on the course and, and he was his first thing. He said, whatever he wasn't good at is what he'd work on. Yeah. Cause a lot of us, we don't like, we, we don't want to like hit the shots that we dread hitting. Of course. But you have to. Like, mm. look how much time he's put into just, you know, bunker shots. He said he was the worst bunker player. Puts yeah. all the time in the bunker. And now, he, you know, he's com- comfortable I, in the yeah. bunker. And you want him on your scramble team if you're in the bunker. No, you're definitely you know? right. I mean, there's nothing sexy about practicing five-foot putts, but those are the ones I always miss. Right. So there you and go. those are the ones that's where the money's made. Mm-hmm. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, we'll put all of the links in uh, the video description if you're watching this on YouTube also, as well as you can get to the show notes on Golfissy or in the Golfissy app. We'll put all the links so that you can follow along with Zach's journey. We'll link to his YouTube channel and to his Instagram. If you're not already following him in those places, definitely give him a follow. He makes some incredible content. And like I said, he's, he's just a, a really, truly good guy who's good for the game. So you'll see all of that. Appreciate everybody following along. We'll see everybody again next week.